are Hope Church Guildford. This is a recent recording from our Sunday morning gathering. We hope you can join us at the Royal Grammar School on Guildford High Street, Sundays at 10am. Enjoy the message. Well, hello, good morning. Um, it's really good to see you. Thanks so much for coming along today to Hope Church. So my name's Chris and uh, I get the joy of speaking to us through the book of Exodus. And so today we're going to be carrying on in Exodus chapter 3. And I'd love you to have it open in front of you. So uh, why don't you can start to turn to it now. And if you don't have a Bible with you or, or phone or the app on or whatever, then you can stick your hand in the air and our lovely welcome team will come and bring you a Bible to you in your seat. Um, and then you can look, find Exodus. It's the second book of the Bible, so just past Genesis, so it's right near the front, and uh, Exodus chapter 3 we're going to be in, so you can start to sort of thumb to that page. Um, and it might be that your hand is up because you just don't own a Bible. And if that's the case, then you can keep this Bible as a free gift from us. It will bless you and do you good. You can have it um, and uh, use it, read it. it will, I'm sure it will bless you and that God will speak to you through it. So yeah, we're starting this series, or we, we started the series last week, um, and we've called it God's Treasured Possession, because later on in the book, we'll find these words that God, he, he, as, as he gathers Moses and gathers the people, he declares, hey, you are a royal priesthood, you're a holy nation, you are my treasured possession, you are the, the people of God, the people who follow him, who know him, who trust him, who have brought in, been brought into a relationship with him, who have been been drawn out of Egypt and drawn into this relationship, he calls my treasured possession. And we believe that this applies to us today, actually as Christians, as the people of God, for all those who have put their trust in Jesus and in, the, and in God, that they are his treasured possession. And we can learn from this book and we can encounter God as something of who he is, his majesty and what he's done and what he's about and who he is through this book. And so um, that's, that's the kind of overview of our series. And today we're specifically going to be looking at this question, well, who is God? Who is God? So it's not really a theological question in the sense we're not going to be going through into like a theological debate about who he is but more about what is revealed to us through this chapter uh, chapter three and we'll see how Moses encounters God and then how God uh, shares names for which he has to Moses and then having looked at some of the names that God gives to Moses about himself about what they mean we're then going to see what is Moses response out of that and how how can we learn from that ourselves does that make sense so before we get into it though names in the bible are significant because names have meaning and often the names of someone embodies what they then go on to do so Moses we've heard he he was the pharaoh's daughter called him Moses because she drew him out of the water she saved him out of the water and she she says because I've drawn him out I'm going to call him Moses and he then embodies that because he ends up then going on to drawing the people of uh, Israel the people 
out of slavery draws them out and into uh, freedom, into uh, a relationship with God. And so Daniel means God is my judge. And uh, he ends up being judged by the people around him and thrown in the lion's den, but he is found innocent in God's sight. And God does indeed, indeed judge him and save him because he is innocent in his sight. Um, Joseph means God will give. And he ends up going into Egypt and then providing, the Lord provides, providing all sorts of like amazing food, for not just for Egypt, but for all the countries around. Jesus means God saves. And that's exactly what happens. God, through Jesus, saves people then and today through, from their sin. Names have meaning. And, and so, you know, this bunch of parents in the room, you would probably have thought of that, maybe, when you came to name your kids. It's not really a cultural thing that we have in the UK, but often in other cultures, they, they do really think about the names that they're going to call their kids. Me and Catherine thought about that too. And, so, and my parents thought about that for us. My surname, Kimbangi, means witness. Some of you will already know this. It means witness. So, and, uh, so we're meant to be witnesses to things. And they called me Christopher Matondo. And Christopher means a Christ bearer. So I'm meant to bear the name of Christ. Um, that's what Christopher means. It's to uh, declare the goodness of Christ of who he's done and I'm meant to be a witness to that that's what my name and to do that with thanksgiving which is what Matondo means um, Matondo means thanksgiving is because my parents had two kids before me that both died uh, sort of just before and just after childbirth and so when I was born they were thankful to God and so they called me thanksgiving so I'm a Christ bearing thanksgiving witness what a name to live up to <laughs> um, <laughs> And, uh, and Catherine, Catherine means pure. So she's meant to be pure. Catherine's my wife, who is leading the meeting today. And her middle name is Rachel, uh, which means a female sheep, a female goat. <laughs> and um, so she's meant to be a witness to pure sheep or pure lambs, pure animals. That she is quite, has lots of Christian connotations as well, even. My, when we came to choose our daughter's name, Talia, who's our oldest daughter, her name means like Jew of heaven or raindrop of heaven. It's like, um, it speaks something of like the blessing of God and her middle name is Faith. And so her name is like, by faith we can know something of the blessing of God. That's what her name kind of means. And Naya, who's our youngest daughter, her name's Naya Grace. And Naya means God's purpose. And so it's like um, she was born like uh, sort of three to four weeks early. And it was quite scary for us. Um, but by God's grace, God gave her purpose. And she's with us today. And so she can know that. She can carry that in her life. She can know I've got purpose. God has given me purpose by his grace. Um, know him names mean stomach I, I don't know what your names mean you might know you might not know um names, names do mean something but especially in the bible they mean something and and so as we come to encounter uh god through chapter three he is going to reveal his names to us and so we want to find out a bit more about okay well, what's that mean what does it tell us about who god is so uh, just before we start reading, one more thing I want to do is I just want to recap a bit about what happened last week, uh, just so that you're up to speed, especially if you missed it. And so we've got a guy called Jacob. Jacob is like the father of all 
the people who we're talking about, these Israelites. And his family, they end up going into Egypt, and over 400 years, they grow to about 2 million people. But during that time, Pharaoh and the Egyptians become fearful of them and so enslave them. And so there's this, like, they have, they're part of this slave trade, essentially, who do things for Pharaoh to his bidding. And Jacob dies, and his sons die, including someone called Joseph, who you might have heard of, or Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat, to give him his full name. Um, and God sees them, and he moves to act. And between the midwives, between Miriam, between Pharaoh's daughter, and between Moses' mother, there's a baby boy called Moses who incredibly is kept safe, and he's drawn out of water. And he ends up being looked after and becoming a prince of Egypt. He is brought up in the palace, and he lives there for about 40 years. He's around 40 years old when he ends up killing a Hebrew, someone from his own kind of family life. From, from, from his nation and then he's driven out and he flees and he goes to the desert and he spends about 40 years in the desert and so chapter 1 and 2 that we covered last week actually represent about 80 years of Moses' life 40 years he spent in the palace 40 years he spent in the desert and when he's uh, towards the end of that 40 years in the desert, he's had 80 years, the people, his people, the Hebrews or the Israelites that you might refer, know them as, are still in slavery. So the end of chapter 2, verse 23 says this, and we'll read through that into chapter 3. And we'll just read it all and then we'll pull out some things. During that long period, so this is chapter 2, verse 23, during that long period, these 80 years, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out, and their cry for help because of their slavery it went up to God, and God heard their groaning. He remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob, and so God looked on the Israelites, and he was concerned about them. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, hmm, I will go over and see that strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And at this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I've indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering, so I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out, up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the uh, Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. 
I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people to the Israelites out of Egypt. So bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, well, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you've brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. And Moses said to God, well, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name you shall call me from generation to generation. Go, assemble the elders of Israel and say to them, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, appeared to me and said, I have watched over you and have seen what has been done to you in Egypt. And I have promised to bring you up out of your misery in Egypt into the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites and Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. The elders of Israel will listen to you. Then you and the elders are to go to the king of Egypt and say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. Let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand compels him. So I will stretch out my hand and strike the, Israel, the Egyptians with all the wonders that I will perform among them. After that, he will let you go. And I will make the Egyptians favorably disposed towards this people, so that when you leave, you will not go empty-handed. Every woman is to ask her neighbor and any woman living in her house for articles of silver and gold and for clothing, which you will put on your sons and on your daughters, and so you will plunder the Egyptians. What a story. It's incredible to read through this encounter. And I, you kind of wonder a little bit about what Moses is kind of thinking because he's now 80 years old. He's kind of being asked to go and save these, these Israelites out of Egypt's hands, but he's already been there. He's already done it. He's, he's already tried that once. Because what we heard, heard from chapter 2 is that last week he, he, was, he was there. For him, 40 years ago, he was there and he saw an Egyptian beating one of, his, one of these Hebrews and he stepped in to save and he killed that Egyptian. And what did he get for it? Did he get praise? Did he get people following him? Did he, did he get admiration? No, no, he got driven out of Egypt. And then spends these 40 years wandering in the wilderness. And I wonder what he was thinking. I wonder if he's, oh God, where are you? Are you ever going to use me? I'm 80 years old. What good am I? I've, I'm disqualified, surely. I've, I've messed up. I tried to do it in my own strength, in my own way. And now I've, I've blown it. I've blown it. It's gone. I can't, I can't be used. And then... He sees, oh, we've got, we got a bush. He sees this bush. It's probably not as impressive as what Moses saw, I don't know. 
um, he he sees this bush that's on fire, and he. And that's a bit strange because he can't see the ash falling to the ground and um, it seems to still be there, but just this kind of heat coming from this or this glow coming from it. It's like, what, what on earth's going on? And so he goes over and inspects and, and then when he gets there, he's, the bush speaks to him. Oh, okay, this is a bit strange. <laughs> The, book speak, the bishop speaking to him and then tells him, oh, this is holy ground. So you've got to take off your sandals. And, oh, all right, take, take, off, take off the sandals. And then the bush declares who he is. And at this, Moses hides his face and is terrified. All the other stuff, the burning bush, the talking bush, the bush that's telling him to take, oh, yeah, sure. But suddenly... At the name of this God, he's terrified. And he hides his face. So we want to look at who is this God? What is his name? And he kind of reveals it in three, three kind of sections. So we'll talk about these three. And, uh, and then we'll look at Moses' response to all of that. And so he starts off. In the first bit, he says, uh, Moses approaches, takes off his sandals, and then God says, I am, uh, this is holy ground, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He's the God of, and most trans, a lot of translations will say the God of your fathers. So I'm the God of your fathers. I'm the God of Abraham. I'm the God of Isaac. I'm the God of Jacob. I'm God of the fathers. What does that mean? It means I know you. I know where you came from. I know the Levitical line that you were brought up in. I know everything about you because I am the God of your fathers. I, I know your family. I know your clan. I know your history. I know your past. I know where you've been. I know where you're going. And I chose the Levitical priest to be a spiritual nation that would lead the people of God. Later on, when Joseph goes into the promised land, it's the Levitical priests that step in first, that go through first. They're the kind of spiritual group that lead them. They don't get their own land because they are there to usher in the presence of God through all the people. And God knows that. And he's revealed, hey, this is, this is the God. The God who called you, who chose you. And I'm the God of Abraham. Remember Abraham, the, this guy who was 90 years old, who had, well, he was 100 and his wife was 90 and they'd never had any children and she was barren. And remember, we talked about barrenness and, and God gives a promise to Abraham and says, hey, look at the stars in the sky. Can you count them? That's how many descendants you'll have. That's how many children you'll have. And Abram, is, is, his name means the father, and God changes it to Abraham, which is the father of nations. And that's what ends up happening. He becomes this father of nations. And it's this covenant God. He's revealing himself. I'm a covenant God. I'm a promise-keeping God. I'm a listening God. I'm a knowing God. I, I know you, and I've chosen you. And I know Abraham. I know the past. I'm the one who gave this covenant that I will bring forth generations who will know me. And then Isaac. Isaac means he who laughs. It's like I'm the God that can bring joy, the joy of the Lord, into your life. And, uh, and you can know me. And Isaac was this promised son that came from Abraham and Sarah and who was going to be sacrificed by Abraham, but then God provided a scapegoat. 
to take its place. It's a substitution for him. It speaks of all the things that Jesus will go on to do for us today. And then he says, I'm the God of Jacob. Jacob means one who seizes or one who holds on to, one who supplants. Because Jacob took his brother Esau's inheritance. And Jacob is the one who ends up wrestling with God. And so God calls him Israel, which is where we get this name, the Israelites. And it's that God the God of yesterday, today and forever that comes and meets Moses at this bush and he's terrified. So he bows down, he's probably in awe and wonder and and worship. And you know, that same God is the same God that we come and worship today. It's the same God. The God of Abraham, of Jacob, of Isaac, of Abraham, of Moses, of Joshua, of Daniel, of David, of Solomon, of Jeremiah, of Elisha, of Elijah, of Peter, of James, of John, of me and you. It's the same God. He come and he is holy. This is the God he, he reveals himself to. And he said, he's kind of saying, hey, I've watched. What he says is, I've watched. I've indeed, in verse 7, I've indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard their cry and I'm coming to act. I'm coming to move. I'm coming to bestow. This is amazing for Moses because he's heard all the stories. He's heard of Noah and the rainbow. He's he's heard of the ark. He's he's heard all this stuff. And it's like, wow, it's that God. This is holy. This is a holy place. He comes with reverence and awe. And then um, God continues to reveal himself. And next, um, he... It goes on to, the second name he gives us is this, that Moses, he's kind of a bit worried, he's a bit nervous. Well, suppose I go and tell the Israelites, well, who shall I say that is is coming? What is your name? And God says, I am who I am, or I will be that I will be. And this name is like, like no other name. Most people's name has is is um, has some kind of reference to something else. So, like your surnames, like if you're Smith, it's probably reference to a job that you've had, like blacksmith. Or your your names, like my name's Christopher, it's reference to Christ. Christ is the saviour, and I'm meant to bear the saviour's name and and you know expand him and and encourage people about him. But it's outside. My identity is outside of me. The subject of who I am is outside. The subject of, of Rachel is like female sheep. It's outside of her. The subject of Catherine is pure, but that purity comes from somewhere else. Often names come from something else. They are in reference to something else. And so Moses is kind of going up to God. He's asking him, saying, well, if I'm going to go to Pharaoh, I'm going to tell him that the, this God has told my people to go, then how do I explain who this God is? How do I kind of give him a reference point? How can I help him to, how can I help Pharaoh to understand and categorize this God? And God says, hey, you can't categorize me because I'm outside of time and space. I'm infinite. I'm over all things. I'm, I'm, I'm unknowing in many ways. I'm unchangeable. I'm, this is like this impenetrable mystery that's giving in this name that I am. Full of assurance, full of total adequacy and mystery. 
and can't be pinned down. We could, we could say, well, are you creator? Or are you saviour? Or are you redeemer? Or are you restorer? Well, yes, it's all these things. But that's not the only thing it is. Actually, he is the I am. Never-ending, infinite, outside of all time, all time, space, everything. He is the I am. It's like, wow. Okay, I'll go to Pharaoh. Who sent you? I am has sent me. Okay, see how it goes. Um, and so he, he, we, we get this, these incredible words. And actually, these, these kind of uh, phrases that we're picking out, this God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, um, this the I am, and this last one, the Lord, which we're going to go on to, which is Yahweh, these are referenced over 7,000 times in the Bible combined. 7,000 times that the, all these, these are referenced as this is who God is. This is who he is. And this, this one, Yahweh, um, oh, I didn't click on, um, he, in verses, oh, I lost it. Is it there? Hey, thank you. Um, so he says, go assemble the elders and say to them, the Lord. So he's giving themselves another name, the Lord the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob has appeared to me and he's going to come and, and do his stuff. So this is where the Lord is, um, it's Yahweh, Y-H-W-H and um, you, you might have heard us sing songs about Yahweh and you hear those words, oh, what's that mean? Um, in the past, this word has been so kind of met with awe and reverence that people haven't even wanted to utter the name. And so for many years, actually, people would say different names that represent it, like Jehovah. There's one way of pronouncing it. And in fact, still now, uh, many of the Hebrews do pronounce it as Jehovah. Because they don't want to like, they want to say it wrong because it's so revered. In fact, it's only in the last few hundred years, really, and through the Reformation and through um, that, the, like, people have got back and like actually um, want to really understand this word more. And actually, we're going to start using it again. And so now you'll hear it much more. But that's not always been the case. Um, other names for God might be Elohim or Adonai. But Yahweh is how he represents himself here to uh, Moses. And this is like, Yahweh is like this holy covenant full of mystery God. This is a personal God who knows, who sees, who acts. This is the God, yes, as creator, redeemer, restorer and saviour and sustainer. But they're all functions they're what he does, and this is who he is. This is the Lord. This is Yahweh. And he, he, uh, he shows himself to Moses in this way. And this is probably not the first time that Moses would have heard this. Um, some scholars debate it because it's the first time we kind of really come across it in the Bible. But Jochebed, his mother... Uh, Jochebed means like worshipper of Yahweh and so it's likely that all of the Israelites beforehand that Abraham Jacob would have known this God this personal God this covenant God that spoke to Abraham right at the beginning as Yahweh and now here he is speaking to Moses and so of course Moses is is in awe and is in reverence and Moses 
Moses' approach throughout these uh, few these this chapter is that he kind of seeks. He sees this bush, so he looks, he seeks, he seeks, and he finds, and he encounters God. And if you're someone here today who you're kind of just looking in, you're just wondering, you're, maybe you're not Christian yet, but you're, you kind of see something, you're just searching, then I believe that you can find, that you can come to know God and you can find him. I want to encourage you to keep doing that and, um, because he is holy and he's majestic and he's wonderful and he's a God that you can know and he's a personal God who wants to act and save on behalf of his people, the ones he knows. And Moses says, here I am, in verse 5, when God calls him from the bush. He says, here I am. It's a great thing to say to God. And so if you've not met God before, then one, a response to you out of this might be to say, here I am. Here I am. Speak to me talk to me but there's some of you here today who similarly to Moses you, you've known God you've got a relationship with him you've perhaps said those, oh here I am you've got a relationship with him maybe even you understand his reverence and you've bowed down you've taken off your sandals figuratively you worship him but the problem is when it just stops there when you kind of do the outward religious stuff but not then do what God asks you. You see, Moses' response to then God calling him and to actually do something is quite different to his awe and reverence. And he starts instead responding like a bit like, ah, negatively. And so, and we can learn from that. So here we go. Here's his Moses' responses. He, so God calls him and says, uh, you know, I've seen, I've seen the misery of your people. I want you to go. I want you're going to go to Pharaoh. And in verse 11, Moses says, oh, you might have to click on for me, um, Will, because um, this isn't working. Moses says, who am I? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? God asks him to do something. And his response to encountering the God of his fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Jacob, the God of Isaac, the, the I am, the Yahweh, is not, wow, you're amazing. Yes, I will go because you're sending me. It's all about me, identity. Well, who am I? Who, who am I that I should go? You know, that question, that identity question is the question that comes up today over and over again. It's the question that we're all searching for, isn't it? And it's not a bad question to ask, who am I? But for Moses, he needed to know that ultimately who he is, what he's done, the ways he's messed up is irrelevant because the power and the presence are all that he needs to go out and do the things that God called him. It's to know that he's been sent by God. Yes, he's tried before. Yes, it didn't go well. You know, there's other people that similar responses Gideon's response was like oh well I'm the least of this clan I'm the least of this family why would you call me Jeremiah's like well I'm too young I, I can't do this and God tells Moses do you know because God doesn't even answer this question he doesn't answer the question of who am I he just says you know it's irrelevant in this sense you don't need to know because I, I'm not going to tell you that you might feel confident in your own self what you need to be is confident in me and who it's not about you it's about me and that's all you need to know some of you 
will remember that a few years ago we went to a festival because we're part of a family of churches called Commission and we went to a festival and at this festival a guy called Andrew Wilson was speaking on this passage and he talked about a book called The Gruffalo which you might remember too and The Gruffalo is all about this mouse this little mouse who um, he goes into this deep dark wood and he finds like a snake and a fox and an owl who are creatures who want to devour obviously this mouse but the mouse he decides he's going to make up a story about uh, like a, a gruffalo and so he says oh well um, I'm really sorry Mr Snake I can't hang out with you because I want to meet the gruffalo and he's got orange eyes and purple tongue and prickly things and whatever and um, they these bigger animals they all run away but unbeknownst to the mouse, he then actually encounters this gruffalo and obviously is terrified. And the gruffalo looks at the mouse and says, mm, you'll look good on a slice of bread. And so he's thinking, right, oh, um, what should I do? And so the mouse says to the gruffalo, who's a little bit dumb, um, don't call me good. I'm the scariest creature in this wood. Just walk behind me and soon you'll see everyone is scared of me. And what happens is the the mouse goes on the gruffalo says okay you will you go ahead and I'll follow after the mouse goes along and the gruffalo's behind him and then when they find the fox the fox obviously looks at the gruffalo and the mouse goes oh hi fox and the fox goes ah and he slinks off to his underground house and then they meet the owl and the owl sneaks off and then they meet the uh what's that one snake and then the snake sees off and then the, the uh, little mouse turns to the gruffalo and says see all these creatures are scared of me but now my tummy's beginning to rumble and my favourite food is gruffalo crumble and then the gruffalo runs off and what that tells us and what all the kids listening to the story understand is that the animals they weren't scared of the little mouse because it wasn't about the mouse was it? It was about this big, massive, powerful presence behind the mouse that gave the mouse confidence to walk through that word unharmed and untouched. And so what we, we learn, it's exactly the same here. Moses is standing there going, oh, but God, who am I that I could possibly go to Pharaoh and do this thing? And God is saying, it's not about you. It's about the Gruffalo. It's about me. It's about what I can do for you. It's about my strength and my power and my presence in your life. It's not about what you've done. It's not about your insecurities it's not about your past it's not about how you've messed up in the past it's about my presence and what is incredible is that in those last few verses Moses is like well suppose I do do this then suppose I I go oh no sorry he uh, God God says I will be with you and, and Moses obviously worried about this and probably wants some reassurance and so God says to him this is your this is how you'll know that I was with you verse 7 when you go you'll draw all the people out and then you'll come back and you'll worship on this mountain and if you just think about that that is like must be incredibly frustrating for Moses because God is essentially saying well Moses is saying how will I know you're going to be with me God is saying this is how you'll know go and do the stuff once you've done the stuff you'll come out and then you'll worship me and Moses is probably like yeah but I want to know now that you're going to be with me and he goes oh, go and do the stuff it's like that first steps faith we've talked about this before in our, in, in, in our church you take this first step 
You step into the river. You step into that place. You step across your office. You tell the people about Jesus. How will I know you're with me, God? Well, once you've done it, you'll look back on your life and you'll see God's presence with you all the way. It's incredible, isn't it? This is what God said, hey, you'll know. You'll know my presence with you. You'll know that I've been with you. You'll know that I'm there. Moses then hears more about God, about this I am, and he then um, has another question. And his other question is this. Well, what if... Sorry, you'll have to click again, again uh, Will. What if I go and do all these things? What if I go to Pharaoh and they, he doesn't listen and he doesn't believe me? And do you know what? For us today, we can also have those questions, can't we? Well, what if I go and tell my friend about Christianity and they don't believe? What if I go and, and quit my job and do that thing and it doesn't work out? What if? What if? What if? And, uh, and that's a good question to have because Moses had tried this before and he got, um, you know... Uh, shoved out of Egypt for 40 years and I think again God says to him what have you got in your hand and he ends up uh, doing some miracles through the staff that turns into a snake and he puts his hand in his coat that turns leprous and then back in his coat and it's clear again and God gives him some signs and but essentially what God's response to Moses and to this what if question is all your responsibility is is to go that's all God asks is for you to go and do what he says. Moses' question is, well, what if it doesn't work out? And God says, no, no, that's my responsibility. Your responsibility is to go. Your responsibility is to share. Your responsibility is to say. My responsibility is to transform, to change, and to save. And that, doesn't that apply to us today? And we can say, oh, well, what if it doesn't work out? What if I say and they reject me? What if I say and they don't me? Well, that's not your responsibility. Your responsibility is to go, it's to say, and it's to share. God's responsibility is to transform. Moses' third response. This, so this is in chapter 4. I know we didn't read chapter 4. Moses' third response to God, after he, he kind of shows him some miracles that he can do, is basically, send anyone else but me. Just send anyone else. Send someone else to do it. And God starts to get a bit angry now, probably a little bit frustrated. And he says, all right, well, you've got a brother, Aaron. He's also from your Levite tribe. Bring him along and you can do it with him. And I think, I find that really encouraging because what it reminds us is that we're not by ourselves. We're not alone in this. That he gives us brothers and sisters in Christ. He gives us a church family to do it together. That's why we, like, we do things like Alpha. You don't have to do it by yourself. You don't have to tell your friend all about Christianity and all the different things. Bring him on Alpha and we'll do it together. And we'll share together and we'll discuss together. Bring them to church. Sometimes me and Catherine in the past, we've like had like barbecues around the house where we invite our neighbours and then we invite another couple from church to come and do it with us. So we're not alone. We can do it together. And I think it's amazing that here, God says, hey, it's all right, you can have Aaron. Aaron will come with you and he'll help you and he'll, he'll help you speak. Because Moses is nervous that he's not going to be eloquent in his speech or be able to say things right. And so these are Moses' responses to this, the great I am, to the Yahweh, is, well, who am I? What if it doesn't work out? Please, anyone else but me, send someone else. And I don't want us to be like that, church. I want us to be people who encounter the living God and say, like he did at first, here I am, and maybe add the, send me. I will go. I will do it. 
I'm up for it. Maybe we can get the band back up. I just want to ask you, whilst the band are getting ready, what about you? Because perhaps for you, life hasn't quite turned out as, it, as expected. You know, maybe, you know, Moses, he had the 40 years in the palace, but then 40 years in the desert. It might be that it started off, you had great hopes, great sights, great things to do, but then things didn't quite go as expected, and you've ended up in a bit of a wilderness. Maybe, like Moses, you've messed up. He killed someone. Maybe you've done something as grave or as deep. Maybe, like him, you feel unqualified. Well, who am I? Who am I to do the thing that you're asking me to? Who am I to tell people about Jesus? I can hardly speak. I can hardly get my thoughts right. I can hardly do anything. Maybe you've tried before and it's not gone well. And you've been burnt and it's hard and you've suffered the consequences of it like he did. And you're worried it won't go well again. And you're wondering, well, what if? What if I do it and they don't believe? Maybe you feel insecure or disqualified due to circumstances, due to your marriage falling apart or due to your job not working out due to your friends leaving you due to your family abandoning you due to that thing not working out quite as you hoped I believe that the God of the Bible the God that drew Moses out of slavery into freedom the God that drew the Israelites out of slavery into freedom wants to draw you out of slavery into freedom the same God that drew Jesus out of death out of the grave into resurrection life it's the same God that draws us out of the darkness and into his light he is at he is here he's at work and he wants to reveal himself to you he wants to speak to you he wants you to know that he knows you he's the God of the fathers he's the God of Abraham Isaac Jacob Let's stand, shall we? And we're going to worship this God. Thanks for listening. We meet on Sundays at 10am at the Royal Grammar School in Guildford. We look forward to seeing you.